What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome, everyone, to part two of this Baseball America College podcast, along with Aaron Fitt. I am John Manuel. The Baseball America College podcast is brought to you by Project Lomo. That's projectlomo.mlblog.com. We've read the we've read we've done the read all uh, all spring and uh, all the details are there. Projectlomo.mlblog.com. It's a great cause. As uh, Logan Morrison of the Miami Marlins works with the American uh, Lung Association to try to raise money to fight lung cancer after losing his father to lung cancer in 2010. So uh, we've also got uh, eight more regionals to get into. So Aaron, we need to get a move on since we took a little bit too long yeah. the first we, part of the podcast we'll have to apologize if we give any of these guys short shrift but there's only so many hours in the day so we gotta we, we gotta have to make it up a little bit here we gotta tighten it up so we're not going to talk i think the way to tighten this up is not to talk as much about the favorites um yeah, which right. i think you tried to egg me on in that direction <laughs> in the first half of the podcast but i think the favorites are who we're not going to talk as much about so let's go to the nashville regional area we did the left half of the bracket Let's go to the right side of the bracket, to Nashville. Pardon me. Vanderbilt is our one seed. Georgia Tech, the two. Illinois, the three. East Tennessee State, the four. And my thumbnail sketch of this regional is there's not a whole lot of Omaha history in this uh, on this side of the bracket. Even Georgia Tech right. has only made, what, three trips? That's right. Vanderbilt's made one. East Tennessee State making its first regional trip since 81. Illinois is not one of the Big Ten teams that is, that you know won them back in the day, you know, like Michigan did or Minnesota, that kind of thing. Ohio State all have national championships. Um, this is a this is a relative newbie pod uh, pod <laughs> and not on the here on the podcast. This regional is a relative a bunch, a bunch of relative newbies, um, but they've all had some recent success. East Tennessee's had some good teams lately. You had Illinois that came out to Fullerton and threw a scare in the Titans a few years ago in a regional. They mm-hmm. still have a couple of seniors from that club. Georgia Tech you know, has been a college baseball power and is a really uh, deep and, at times, explosive offense. Yep. It's a weird regional to me of teams that I don't ne- necessarily ever see play each other in, in uh, you know, during the season. It just seems like a – uh, an interesting amalgamation of teams. Uh, they, I, I guess to you, what's, what you've written is that what stood out to you was that one four matchup, uh, Clint Freeman and Kerry Doan and, and the Bucks of East Tennessee State going up against Vanderbilt, the number two overall seed. Right, and, and you know, like you said, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about Vanderbilt. We'll right. talk about them ad nauseum probably this year, but I mean, they're they're really good, and, and they're the team to beat in this regional. They're, they're going to win this regional. I'm going to say, but, uh, but you know, that's not an easy, that's a, not an easy draw for, for me. I mean, I said it the other day in the podcast, you know, you, I think Vanderbilt had the best season in college baseball this year and they got, uh, they did not get rewarded for that with this draw, uh, because they got a, you know, if you even just compare it with North Carolina, I mean, Georgia tech is is a really dangerous two seed. Uh, I think Illinois is a, is a solid three seed that's very athletic and, you know, can score some runs. And then Tennessee, East Tennessee state, um, is is a dangerous for especially in that first game with Kerry Doan, really competitive guy, a senior, been around, and got you know twelve complete games this year, got a good fastball, a good slider, really competes, and then you know behind him in case he doesn't go the distance, well you know I guess maybe in, in the rest of the regional I guess the thing that helps them is their bullpen, uh, you know Clinton Freeman, a, a quality left-hander, you know can run that thing up to ninety and knows how to pitch, his command's got a lot better this year, really pounds the strike zone, and, and the same with Will Chesney, the 
the submariner sidearm kind of uh, right-hander. Um, you know, those two guys give them a really good duo in the bullpen. Uh, and then they've got some depth. They can mix and match a little bit here. Um, you know, Freeman, of course, also the centerpiece of that lineup, um, which is, is, you know, he, they have a little bit of power here. I mean, they're, they're, this is, uh, you know, what, four or five guys here that have a few home runs. I mean, this, yeah, this they're, is not, not they're not Paul a push uh, These are not the Paul <laughs> Hoyleman bucks, though. Right, that's right. That's the thing is this team in the last couple of years, and that's the thing that's most impressive to me is that Coach Skoll, and I'm a Tony Skoll fan. I think I've made that clear before. Yep. Um, they've been a competitive program the last few years, and this is the interesting thing to me is they've done it with pitching some years, and they've done it with hitting other years. They're not just that's one cool. note. I, I think that's a sign of a good coach. And, you know, in the past, their teams were notable for having a lot of power and guys who struck out a lot and just swung for the fences. And that was even true. That wasn't that. That was the first year of the BB Corps, was it not? Yeah. Paul Hoyleman put up huge numbers, I think, in the first year of the BB Corps bats. You're absolutely right. And uh, and he had several other guys on that team. He did Bo Reeder, I believe, was a two-way yep. joker on this team. Absolutely. He was a very good player for them, you know, a good closer and put yeah. up some offensive numbers as well. But but Clint Freeman's a more complete player, a more complete hitter, hitting the, K- yeah. the Alaska League last summer. So yeah. this is a good four. Not a great four, but a good four. And, uh, you know, uh, to me, Illinois, like you said, pretty interesting three. I think your your regional preview put it very well. I mean, when I think of this team, I do think of you know, they were very athletic and physical a couple of years ago, uh, three yep. years ago, and that and that regional in Fullerton. It still seems like that's kind of their their trademark as a club this year. That's right, exactly. The Parr brothers, Justin and Jordan, are really good players. These Love are brothers two and three, aren't they? Second and third pars that come to the program? I think there was a third one, uh, an older one. Yeah, I, I, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but uh, I think that, that is correct. Um, but, you know, the the I love their shortstop, this kid Thomas Lindauer, John. I mean, he, he's a good player. He's really athletic. He makes it look easy at short. You know, I mean, one one play in particular just kind of sticks out in my mind this weekend where he ranges up the middle, makes a great play, you know, just very under control, spin around, and just fires an accurate throw for the first base. That guy's a playmaker on defense. He, he sets the tone at the top of the lineup. He's got pop at the top of the lineup. Um, he's he's a he's a darn good player. I, I think he's uh, he's one of those guys that can be, be an impact guy this week. And Josh Parr was the older brother. By Josh, the way. Josh Parr. There were three Pars. Yep. Up to Parr and uh, and Champagne. <laughs> hey Yeah, exactly. Um, Georgia Tech, um, just an odd team. We've talked about them a few times, Aaron. I think that we both thought the big problem with Georgia Tech would be the pitching. You know, would Cole yeah. Pitts and Dusty Isaacs make those steps forward? And they really didn't. They're solid, but they're certainly not. I wouldn't call either one of them good. You right? can't rely on either one of them. And, in fact, I don't think Cole Pitts will probably right. start this weekend unless they need a fourth starter. Uh, I, you know, I think Jonathan King's probably supplanted him there. Right. Um, I don't know. You know, I was trying to get a feel for what they're going to do with their pitching. And right now, according to you know those guys, it's still TBA, whether they're going to throw Farmer in that first game or not. For me, I think, you know, if I'm Georgia Tech – Plan to win the regional. Um, best chance to beat Vanderbilt is with your best guy. I say Buck Farmer. I go with, I guess, Isaacs in the first game. But, you know, then you could lose the first game. But, hey, you got to win three games anyway. I think you take that chance. And, you know, a lot could be different for Georgia Tech if they had Matt Grimes. You know, but they yeah, don't. Absolutely. Matt Grimes is an unsigned fourth-round pick at a high school who had Tommy yep. John this year. I mean, they've basically missed him for a year and a half. You know, that's a tough break. But, you know, Georgia Tech's in Georgia. There's Hope Scholarships. I don't think anyone's crying for, for Georgia Tech lack of depth. You know, they had a top 100 high school prospect out of high, uh, from three years ago, DeAndre Smelter, who just completely fell apart and is now on the football team. So That's right. Uh, they had some attrition, but 
it's it's surprising and disappointing to see that their pitching didn't get a ton better this year. I think some individual guys did, but I, I shudder to think where they'd be on the mound without Buck Farmer, you know, know without getting a senior back. I didn't expect to get. We're both picking Vanderbilt here, correct? Oh yeah. Let's but I think the, it's but I think it's a competitive field. It should be an entertaining regional, but I just Vanderbilt's a juggernaut. We're taking Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is, I believe, that's that's a fair uh, word to use for them, a juggernaut. Let's move on now um, to the other regional that is paired with this in the super regional. You would have Louisville, the number one seed, Miami, Florida, the number two, Oklahoma State, the number three, Bowling Green, the number four. They want to be called Bowling Green, not Bowling Green State, correct? That's right. Okay. Let's make sure we get that right. Um, you know, heaven for Finn, that we, uh, we, we can call them Bowling Green State University, or we can call them Bowling Green. We just can't call them Bowling Green State whatever. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Whatever, indeed. Aaron, and it's the same thing with LSU, by the way, that you can call them Louisiana State University or LSU, just not Louisiana State. I'm tired of this branding crap. I'm going on a lingo rant here. That stuff's nonsense. We'll call you whatever we want to call you, and you'll like it. We have a consistent, we have a consistent method that we use so that all of our readers can identify and figure out what we're talking about, whether we're talking about a university or a high school. And that's our convention that we use, and uh, we don't really give a darn about your branding uh, proposal. And I've read some of these branding uh, initiatives, and they're bunk. And sports information people can – I know they're just doing their due diligence, and they're doing their jobs, and we're going to do ours. So uh, Central Florida, Central Florida, not UCF, TCU, all of them. Second reference, we'll use that stuff, but first right. reference, let us do our thing here. we got style rules. Exactly, and Aaron Fitt loves his style rules. Oh, you know it. Um, and I love to mangle them, apparently. <laughs> so, anyway, I think I know them. Aaron, our style is to say Louisville, not Louisville. But um, <laughs> Oklahoma State, Miami, and the 80s or 90s, those two teams would have been the favorites and the heavy favorites to win this regional not the case right now. I I really don't see any of these teams n- knocking off Louisville. Uh, no. th- those Oklahoma St- Oklahoma State, Miami, Bowling Green. The talent gap between those three teams and Louisville feels like it's pretty significant. Oh, I agree absolutely. I mean, this you know th- this is not a very offensive regional. Louisville right. is clearly Louisville is clearly the best offense here, uh, and they're not a you know they're not a powerful lineup, but they're a very good offense because of. It's just a complete offense. It's very experienced. They got a ton of speed, put a lot of pressure on you. Uh, Miami's a bad offense. It's a, it's I mean, a bad offense. That's it. They're hitting 260 as a team. Where they got 12 home runs as a team. That's a bad offense. They don't have one 300 hitter. Um, you know, there's one guy in the lineup that kind of scares you a little bit. That's David Thompson, and that's it. Right. Um, they have good pitching, and that pitching makes them competitive. You know, they're, they're those, those left-handers. Um, you know, Radzuski and Suarez, who's you know. It's still kind of not 100%. I mean, he's still coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's had a good year, all things considered, but right. he's not what he will be, I think, in another year. Uh, and, and, of course, Chris Diaz, those guys are very good. Um, you know, really like their closer, Nadelkovich. But, um, you know, they need to win a 2-1 to one game here. And uh, that, that's, you know, I don't know if they can score a lot against Jason Hirsch in that first game. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing, one glimmer of hope for the Canes. And I don't know if it was because the scouts were there or not. But at the HC tournament, I saw them play Clemson, and Dale Carey actually had a good game. Hmm. And um, Dale Carey is back over 200 now. Looks like he's back in the lineup. That's a guy they expected a lot out of, and moreover, that's a guy where they need to steal some runs. They need to yeah. manufacture some runs. And outside of Tyler Palmer 
and Chance Mack, they don't really have anybody else who runs. So they already they really need Dale Carey in the lineup. And I saw a manufacturer run all by himself. I saw him hit a line drive to the outfield, and then there was a stolen base that went crazy, and a ball got thrown in the outfield, and he wound up coming all the way home. So, you know, it's possible. The talent's supposed to be there for Dale Carey. I've talked to a lot of scouts who yeah. weren't believers, but there are scouts who were believers. So his development and his improvement, if he could continue that, that would make them a little bit more dangerous team. That would give me the idea that they can uh, compete a little bit more in this regional, but they still just aren't offensive enough. And at the beginning of the year, Coach Moore said, you know, they were maybe two recruiting classes away from wow. being what they used to be. Wow. And that's just a stunning admission, I think, for a coach in his early 60s, and now he's uh, had this bout with pneumonia. And I definitely wish Jim well. I've, I've had my ups and downs with Jim Morris over the years at, at Miami. I love imitating him. It's one of my go-to imitations. <laughs> I love talking. I love talking about the University of Miami, Jim Morris. You know, walk, walk my baby with no Mark Arshapar at South Point Mall earlier today. I mean, I just love my Jim Morris impersonation. I want Jim Morris on the scene so I can do my imitation more. I would love the U to be back, but this team has just been panned uh, by too many people, and it's just uh, it's just it's just surprising. This is a program that feels like like a lot of other private schools that is trending in the wrong direction. Whereas Oklahoma State, Aaron, mm-hmm. I think we feel like them making regionals is a very nice yeah. uh, cherry on the top of a season where this program is starting to come back. Where I'm not blaming Frank Anderson, they had some real challenges. And Frank wasn't able to get things done there. He's a great pitching coach. He did a nice job this year. Where was he the pitching coach again this year? Houston. Houston did a nice job. Um, but, you know, this is a, a star-studded coaching staff at Oklahoma State. They're spending money on yep. baseball. It feels like, again, in the 80s and 90s, those two teams were staples in Omaha. It feels like Oklahoma State could be a staple again before Miami. Yeah. Is that fair? Uh, oh, you know, John – I think you're right about that. It's cra- I mean, it sounds crazy, but uh, you know, it's Miami we're talking about. I mean, right. but but you're right. I I just like the direction that this program is trending. Absolutely, I have so much faith in those coaches, uh, and this year was very encouraging for them. And, and just from a from a short term perspective here, this matchup, um, I I think Oklahoma State matches up well against Miami. I, I think it, there's a lot of you know we talk about how left-handed Miami is on the mound. There's a lot of good right-handed bats in this. Oklahoma State lineup. I mean, Zach Fish and um, you know the, the Robbie Ray and, and you know Tanner Creedmeyer is a switch switch hitter. Um, you know, so they're they're not very left-handed, um, which which is good for them here. And and you know, I think they're just they're better offense. I mean, even though it's not again, it's not like a bunch of superstars in their lineup. It's guys that grind out at bats and give you more competitive at bats than Miami has gotten from its guys. So um, I think yes, I think to answer your your, your other question, I, I I agree that the direction for this. Oklahoma State program is is, uh, is a little brighter right now, the outlook, um, and and I think that they probably will win this first game as well. And Bowling Green, I got nothing on Bowling Green except for the fact that they're uh, to win the. Uh, for, it's a good story. They beat Buffalo in a walk off on the last day of the regular season just to mm-hmm. earn a spot in the MAC tournament. Yeah. Then their closer comes back on zero, pitched one inning the day before the title game starts the title game and winds up giving them nine innings, which is amazing. And yeah, exactly right. Well, yeah, I mean, probably not, but he's a senior, and this is probably, you know, this is probably the end of the road for him, um, Nick Bruns. But, uh, um, you know, uh, this team is, is it's a great story, but, I mean, you know, come on, they're fielding 950. I mean, they're, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's it's a great story, but, I mean, this team was is well, it's below 500, and they're going to be overmatched, I think, in this field. 
They're playing with house money. Louisville. They are. We are. We are predicting Louisville as the champion of this region. We are. And, and you know, I would, uh, you know, know how high I've been in this Louisville team all year long. They, I think they outscored everybody in the fit matrix in the preseason. Um, you know, we ranked them number four. And and I thought that I thought they'd be an Omaha team. And it's I'm disappointed. They're matched up with Vanderbilt in the next round because uh, I don't know. I mean, they could beat Vanderbilt, but uh, I feel like both those teams are Omaha teams, and, I, and I'm sad that only one of them is going to get there because I'd like to see them both in Omaha. I'll tell you, Aaron, I think that they're a very dangerous matchup for Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt is just not a great mm-hmm. offensive team. They've been a good college offensive team, but it's not a great offensive team. I don't know about that. I, 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 I think they're a good offensive team. I don't think they're a great offensive team. Uh, maybe they're better with Xander Wheel in the lineup. What are they? They're, what, ranking the top? 20 in the nation in scoring. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, they, they score runs. I think um, outside outside of Tony Kemp, I don't feel like they have a a great offensive player on the rest of that team. He's a good I, I one. Think, He's a great I think, one. Yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe they don't have the kind of star power that you see in some other lineups, but I mean, Kemp, you know, I, I love, love the experience. That for me is what stands out. When you got seniors like, like uh, Connor Harrell, who's had a big year, uh, Mike Yastrzemski, who had a really good year in SEC play. He did. Uh, you know, Jack Lupo is a senior that really knows how to execute. I mean, when you got that, those, those old guys, that, that matters. I think that makes. I think the sum is greater than the parts here. That's, that, and, there you go. The parts are good. There you go. So you, maybe you, I think you just convinced me. Aaron Fitt is the man on college baseball, and, and that's why. He just showed it to you right there. Aaron, you've seen most of these teams. It feels like you've been to most of these places this year. Didn't you go to Louisville and get snowed out, and then you went to Bloomington, right? I did, and I went to Nashville that, that weekend as well to start the weekend. So, <laughs> See, that's awesome. What a hell of a trip that was. Great, uh, great, great stuff. And the Bloomington Regional is next. It's the Aaron Fit April trip regional swing here. That's Indiana right. the one, Austin P State University number two, Florida number three, and Valpo number four. Aaron, let's start by saying that when you were asked, okay, Mr. Smart Guy who picked Stony Brook last year, who's this year's Stony Brook? Your first answer was Austin P. Your second answer, I believe, was St. Louis, correct? That's right. And and uh, I think I think Sam Houston State was the third team that I threw in that mix. I think that's right. I think that, I think I remember that correctly. And so here are the governors. And the governors played in a pretty tough league this year. The Ohio yeah. Valley, um, known for its bandbox ballparks. And uh, this is a team that's really offensive, but Aaron, it's also a good defensive team, especially up the middle for an Ohio Valley Conference team. Uh, and if Lee Ridenour is healthy, uh, Casey Delgado's decent. They've got some arms. They've got a closer in Tyler Rogers, who's an Ironman submarine guy, 21 saves this year. Mm-hmm. There's some there there with this team. This is a legit yeah. two seed. Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, they've won, they won 45 games. Uh, they've been in regionals now with three years in a row. Um, and, you know, they've got power in the lineup. You know, Craig Massoni and, and, of course, Jordan Hankins is just a great all-around player, a great all-around college player That's who you know, play, plays a good second base, hits for average, hits for power. Draws a run, lot of walks. Has a lot of walks, defends. He's just a really that, – that's an All-American caliber player, I think. I mean, he'll be in the mix for All-American team at second base. I agree. Uh, but uh, I think we all know who our first team is. Well, that's – yeah, SEC player of the year. <laughs> I mean, that's a slam dunk. All fit team. Uh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, Cody Hudson, you know, athletic you know, fast. Uh, Reed Harper's a really good veteran, you know, infielder that, that makes a lot of plays and hits. And, you know, Rolando Gautier is a good athlete. This is a really good lineup. 
um, they are very offensive, and they do run, and they do have power, and they do defend. I agree with you. And you know, Lee Ridenour is is a difference maker. Um, you know, and and and, and Tyler Rogers as well. And they've got some depth. Casey Kemmer's a really, really good bullpen piece. I mean, this is a good club, John. They're a good two seed, and it's and they're going to get overlooked here. They're going to get overlooked because they're Austin P. Have they not been a regional finalist each of the previous yep. two seasons? No. Uh, I know they were two years ago against, um, what, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. Or, I, thought, or, I thought they were the last year at, at Oregon, too. I think they got they got screwed a little bit by a bad call and wound up not making that regional final. They were in position to, uh, to be in the, in the driver's seat, and, and they got a little bit of a bad break. Uh, and it wound up being, what, Fullerton and, and Oregon, if I'm but not this, mistaken. But this is a pretty tough regional because Valpo went to regionals a couple of years ago. Tracy Woodson, another ex-big leaguer, having some success at the college level. Uh, got two, uh, got got a couple of them out there. Darren Erstad did a nice job in Nebraska this year. Yep, and then you got Florida did. at 29-28. This is a – I don't know what Florida team is going to show up here. I think it's a bit of a callow team. I don't say that in a nasty way. I just mean it is really, really young. Their best player is a guy who's a sophomore who should be a freshman in yeah. Taylor Gushu. Um, even their ace pitcher, Jonathan Crawford, is in, only in his third season as a full-time pitcher, only his second year really in a rotation. So yeah. even he is a neophyte in terms of his experience compared to a lot of his peers. So this is a very inexperienced, young Florida team that I think picked itself up after a, after a terrible start. I'm not sure I think they should have been a regional team. Uh, mm. I'm not sure I would have rewarded them, uh, but they're in. I don't think they could they, they could make a fourth straight College World Series run, uh, trip, though, here. Do you, do you think they have a no. run like that in them? No, I really don't. I just think they're – hey, I mean, look, they've already played Indiana head-to-head, and Indiana won, won two or three at their place, and, and just, you know – Looking at the athletes on the field that day, you know, people told me Indiana's, you know, it's, it's that should be Florida. I mean, Florida should be looking like those guys. You expect Florida to be the physical team, um, and you know, people, people are. I, I feel like nationally selling Indiana a little bit short because um, you know, their right. first time hosting and they're the Big Ten, and uh, well, I think a lot of people. Big Ten is the main thing. I think I just don't thing. think anyone's going to believe in a Big Ten team until they get to Omaha. Aaron. it's going to have yep. to happen. That chicken's going to have to happen before the egg. Right. You know, well, and is, this, is it in the end of the team to do it? I think I think you think they are. I think they very well might be. I mean, I you know, I, as I've talked about, I love how offensive they are, um, and I do like their pitching. I mean, you know, they've they've got the best three guys in the rotation in this regional uh, with, with Aaron Slagers and Joey Donato and, and Kyle Hart. Uh, they've got a good bullpen, you know, especially with, with Scott Efroth and, and uh, Kyle Halstead back there. There's two really good one-two punch back there, um, and. You know, their defense is, yes, it's an Achilles heel, but I think at least you got older guys, you know. I mean, they make errors, sure, but, you know, Dustin Demuth and um, uh, Michael, Basel. Michael Basil, right, a shortstop. I mean, those guys, are, those guys have been around, you know. So, I mean, I, I think they're, they're not a great defensive team, obviously, but I think they're good enough. And, and to, me, to me, Aaron, you've got to have, you, you gotta have a separator in today's college baseball with the bats and all these things, and they have one of the separators, which is power. Defense can be a separator, but I think they can overcome it. Also, lucky for them, they don't really have – maybe I'm overgeneralizing here. I don't see in their regional or in the next round a team that small balls it up, a team that's going to exploit that. Am I correct in that? You're probably right. I mean, you know, I think Valpo can do that stuff. They can execute a little bit. I tell you Um, who puts pressure on you, actually. I'm wrong. Florida State, they may not want – 
but they will put pressure on you. If you don't throw strikes, and then if you put the ball, if Florida State puts the ball in play, they will run aggressively on you. They'll go first to third. They will test your outfield. They will pressure your defense by just being playing good fundamental baseball. So I'm getting ahead of myself. I've got Indiana winning this regional with with that with that Austin P as a very strong two. I'm with you on that. I think I think Florida is the third best team in this regional, and Valpo is four. Um, but I, I like you know I think these teams are, are seated the right way, and and I'm also going to take Indiana uh, over Austin P. One other question regarding the Gators. So it's a young team. It's a it's a inexperienced team. They're going to lose Jonathan Crawford, and probably Daniel Gibson. They potentially get back. Karsten Whitson, I assume he's going to come through the draft after his arm surgery and come back for a registered junior season. Is Florida a team that can pick itself up and get back to being an Omaha contender next year? It feels like they have the pieces there to be pretty good, depending on what's obviously what happens with their freshman class this year. That's that's a big key because I mean you know they're I think their talent is, is a little bit short. I mean okay. I, I do like I do like Richie Martin and and I like. You know Casey Turgeon and, and um, you know Gushu and Justin Schaefer. Like, people seem to like Gushu. You know Josh Tobias went a little bit backwards this year, I guess, in terms of his performance. Um, but this is—it you know, seems like they do have again pretty decent young arms as well. Yep, they do. Um, I don't know if they'll get Keenan Kish back next year after his injury or whether he wants to sign. But somebody they do have, you know, young guys uh, who could be you know pretty competitive next year. Feel, yeah, Corey Stump, like I mean, next year. They've had some injuries this year. Let's not forget. I mean, you know, it's not just Whitson. It's Stump and it's uh, Kish. I mean, they've lost some key pieces on, on, the, on the mound that they were going to count on here. So they, this is a you know, good job by them to be where they are right now. You can debate whether they should be in the field or not. But, um, you know, that all that said, I think they're just – I just don't think this is a great team. And, and they didn't play well on the stretch. And I like the Hoosiers. Now, Florida State, like Florida, was in the Conrad Series last year. And the Seminoles are – and they just had a better year. <laughs> they had a better year this year than Florida did, and they lost just as much, if not, you know, maybe not as much in terms of pro stuff, but uh, they lost quite a bit, Aaron. And this is, again, just a masterful job by last year's College Coach of the Year, Mike Martin, and his staff. I think he's got one of the best staffs in college baseball as junior, as uh, junior has uh, matured. Uh, Mike Martin, Jr., has really just, in the last five, six years, just a litany of things that he has done as an assistant coach there that have just been outstanding from moving Mike Martin, uh, from moving Mike Martin, from moving Buster Posey behind the plate mm-hmm. and working with him there to the development of a lot of their players to the recruiting they've done. And then Mike Bell coming in as a pitching coach, and now they have a legit number one starter in Luke Weaver. Right. Uh, this is a pretty doggone good Florida State team. Uh, at the same time, they got a tough one four matchup with Savannah State and Kyle McGowan. That's right. Cal McGowan is a, is a power arm. He's 11 and one this year. He was a horse in the MEAC tournament, and unfortunately, that was two weeks ago. So we got a lot of, lots of time to rest up for this game. <laughs> he needed um, it. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Uh, but you know, this is this is an interesting matchup for sure. Um, you know, I, I don't know what Florida State's going to do in the mound. I haven't haven't asked those guys yet, but. Um, I wonder. I mean, the, four, the thing about Florida State is they've got three good starters. I, I love their weekend rotation. You know, with like you said, Weaver. This is a big difference. They haven't had a guy like Weaver at the top of their rotation in a while. They really um, haven't. They really haven't know. had. I mean, and this is a team. Hey, we're talking about Carson Whitson and Keenan Kish going out for Florida. Hey, Florida State had uh, uh, what's the sophomore's name? Oh, well, he was hurt this year. Compton. Yeah, Mike Compton. Right. Mike Compton was their number two starter all of last year. Missed the whole season. 
they had their own injuries and their own guys. Justin Gonzalez, had to play. of course. Yeah, Justin Gonzalez. I Justin mean. Gonzalez with his, exactly. I mean, like the one piece you had in the infield, uh, your returning senior shortstop, and you lose him. Plus, you know, Florida lost James. Uh, you know, Florida lost Mike Zanino. They lost James Ramsey. I mean, it was. I, I just think this is one of the you know. This is an amazing job by the Florida State coaching staff to get this is, team is. not just back to you know their 34th straight appearance, um, but a number seven national seed. It's it's really impressive. It is, and and you know their uh, <laughs> their offense has come on. I mean, it has. You know, DJ Stewart and uh, Marcus Davis. Those guys did wind up giving them the offensive production they needed. Those were two newcomers they were counting on to step into that void. Uh, and they had a little ups and downs, and, and you know, they've been good. Um, I, I wonder, you know, the defense is, is an issue with this team. I mean, Jose right. Brazuela's got 21 errors. He's fielding 856 at third base. Right. Um, and he got and sent home. He violated team home. rules and got sent home in the HCC tournament. Not a not a great way to end his regular season. Could could be some chemistry issues under the surface there, um, which is weird because you watch these guys on TV and all the mustaches. They seem like a great, you know, very tight-knit group. But I there could be something Gage going Smith, on. I believe Gage Smith shaved his stash, which Did surprised he? me. I could be wrong, oh, but I thought yeah. I saw him clean-shaven. And Florida State's going to send Scott Seitz out of the mound, uh, who's certainly uh, the head of the mustache brigade there and uh, mm-hmm. certainly a, a very good college pitcher on his own. Um, so they're not and sending Weaver out against McGowan. And, you know, Seitz has pitched in – that guy shined in Omaha. You know, that, that right. to me is loud. What he did last year in the College World Series, this guy's is – he's a, he's a big game pitcher. I mean, you know, 9-1, 173. Yeah. You know, you're, not, you're not sleeping on McGowan here. That, that's, maybe that's just the guy they trust the most. I mean, it could be. That's very possible. And they got uh, a nice uh, return. We'll see how the health of Josh Delf. Uh, he had a case of what meningitis, I believe it was, this, this uh, second half of the spring. And, you know, that's a pretty scary d- deal he had to deal with. I, I think he had a pinch hit single during the four, during the ACC tournament. I'm not sure what his status will be for this weekend, but they could certainly use him back, a, a guy who uh, has a tremendous plate approach. And Aaron, Jameis Winston, I know he's not a great player right now, but he is just a mm-hmm. lot of fun to watch. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the, the throw he made during the ACC tournament uh, to the plate to hose a guy, but uh, up to 96, 97 off the mound. He's the only guy I can ever remember who's a switch hitter, two-sport guy, and pitches and hits. That's I mean, amazing. Just, it That's is amazing. amazing. He is just an unbelievable athlete who makes things look a little easy. I think there's a long way to go for him with his hitting approach. Uh, but guess what? They're pretty good at teaching approaches at Florida State. Yeah. Um, so it's a little shocking to see that he hasn't hit a home run yet. But again, I think that just is a testament to how you know, kind of raw he is. But he's worth the price of admission. Very fun guy to watch. Yeah. Troy, Troy and Alabama also in this regional, Aaron. Just a great sign for the rebuilding efforts at the University of Alabama, uh, where Mitch Gaspard has put together, again, a nice coaching staff of yeah. alumni guys who are Alabama guys, and Dax Norris and Andy Phillips, Phillips of ex-big leaguer, Dax Norris, former Durham Bull, had a long pro career himself. Uh, Dax, is, in my mind, Dax has got a pretty good eye for talent, and mm-hmm. this program seems like it's finally on the way back. You know, and they've done a good job. They've been grinding it out the last couple of years. Um, what, they were in a regional, what, two years ago? Or was, it, was it last year? Um, I think it was, went together it was last year, but I can't remember. I know they were, they were definitely, you know, uh, 08, 09, 10, 11. They were in regionals all those years. I think they missed last year. They did. They were bad last year. Okay. Um, I knew one but, of those um, years they were pretty bad. But, but you know, they've 
they've they've been grinding it out. I mean, they and and this team it was young, and you know we we talked we'll talk about how much we love their recruiting class. Uh, they you know Mikey White wound up hitting him and leading that team in hitting, and he struggled. He struggled for a lot of the season. The he wound up especially. second team. He beat out Adam Frazier for second team All SEC shortstop. Is that right? No, that's he did. Right. Now I think that was a bad move. <laughs> I think that was the wrong call. But There's always some real head scratchers in some of those votes, aren't there? And for whatever reason, the SEC in particular, is always some that are just like, huh? Yeah, Alex <laughs> Bregman was the first-team shortstop, and then Mikey Reynolds at A&M and Mikey White mm. were the tied for the second-team choices, and Adam Frazier left out, which was uh, there's interesting. A, there's, there's a Mikey bias in that league. Uh, my, they are biased. But this is also a team where they were relying on Wade Waz to be like their – yeah. middle-of-the-order guy, and their catcher. He gets hurt, and Brett Booth steps in and kind of gives them exactly what uh, I was told they were going to expect from uh, Wade Waz. And, and he really yeah. – I had a couple of scouts who really liked Brett Booth. He threw out 36 out of 77 opposing base stealers. Uh, wow. Tied for the team lead with six home runs. Uh, you know, Georgie Salem's a decent little – this is a decent little team. Uh, I shouldn't say little. But it's a decent team. And I, I think Scrappy, with some young talent, uh, it's going to be a dangerous team in a year or two. Yeah, and I like their young arms a lot. Uh, you know, and obviously they've got a couple of veteran guys. Charlie Sullivan, kind of that workhorse guy for them, and Spencer Turnbull's got a very good arm. Um, you know, we know that Ray Castillo's got a really good arm. They're the back of the bullpen guy. I mean, those are kind of the key pieces. But they've got some depth around those guys too. Some some arms that you like here. I like this team. I mean, I I, I don't think they're I don't think they're going to win this regional, but I like them. I don't think they're going to win this regional either, but I like them as well. And then you have Troy, and then again, another well-coached, uh, good staff, veteran staff, and a team that was part of a, you know, a very competitive Sun Belt League and, and uh, was right in the mix to the, right to the very end in that league and wins 40 games again. Um, kind of what are the highlights for this Troy ball club? Well, first of all, you know, you got – you got some real offense here. I mean, right. Danny Collins, of course, is a guy that got up to a torrid start to the season, cooled down a little bit, but still ended up having a really good year. A guy can hit. He's been a productive player his whole career there. Um, you know, Logan Pierce, really good offensive player, ended up leading him in hitting. Um, you know, Trey Santos as well. I mean, real power potential there. This is a big this donkey is a, guy. This is an offensive team that can go into that ballpark and, and put up some runs. This is, I think, a pretty good draw for Troy. I think it's a good place to get sent. Um, because, you know, it's an offensive park. Right. And, and, and these guys can drive the ball out. And, you know, on the mound, they're, they're not bad either. I mean, um, you know, it's it probably certainly behind Florida State, obviously, and, and probably behind Alabama on the mound. But, um, you know, they got, some, they got some pieces here. I mean, Tanner Hicks, you know, Shane McClain, um, guys that go out there and give, you, give them a real chance to win. I mean, they keep them in the ballgame. So, um, I don't know. I, I, think, uh, I think Troy, to me, feels like the, no, the number two team in this regional. I think I'm with you, Aaron. That's what I was just getting ready to go to is it. Just feels like uh, this is a, a team that you know they've got a, a veteran left-hander and source. Is it source or Sourcey? Sourcey, right? Sourcey's been there a while. Uh, pitched in regional. He's pitched big games. I know he hasn't had a great year this year, um, but they, they seem like they just have a, a, a nice. They've always done a nice job. It feels like of missing bats, whether it's guys with low slots, high slots. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, I'm with you. I think Troy is, you know. Uh, I, I just think uh, you know Bobby Pierce done a great job over there. Mark Smart, they've had the same staff in place for a long time there, and that's another reason why they're so consistent. So I still think Florida State's the favorite here. I know they finished poorly. Yes. Just don't see them going out like two and six in their last eight games. No I way. No happen. way Florida State loses this regional. I, I just um, 
That's right. I said it. I'm going out there. Florida State will advance. I think they I think they overachieved a little bit this year, Florida State, but that doesn't mean they can't win this regional. I think they will. But I do – I'm getting ahead of myself. I think Indiana is going to win that regional. Florida State will win that regional. And the Hoosiers are going to go to Omaha via Tallahassee. That's my call. So uh, that's, plus, that's my bold, fresh prediction if I can quote Bill O'Reilly. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Let's move on to Charlottesville, Aaron, to the land of Thomas Jefferson. Um, the Cavaliers uh, – talk about a team ahead of schedule. Uh, the Cavaliers – Ahead of schedule this year with a very young ball club, the number one seed, UNC by the sea, UNC Wilmington number two, Elon number three, Army number four. Um, what's the, what do the fighting Joe Satellanos have for us this year? Well, it's still got Chris Rowley, um, you know, the guy who's been around forever, senior right-hander, won a ton of games in his career. He re-enlisted, uh, it sounds like, for another four, year to, for another four years. <laughs> hey, Army joke of the day. Army joke. Um you know this guy is good, and he's not. You know he's not a big stuff guy. He's a pitchability guy, a bulldog. Um, but it's not. A, it's not an easy draw in your one-four game, uh, I think. And uh, you know this team is. Uh, they, they were they were young um, last year, I think, uh, positionally, and a lot of those guys are now sophomores. They played a lot of freshmen last year, and they've matured now, and they've got some athleticism. You know Harold Earls and you know Alex Jensen. These guys are good players. Um, I think I think they're you know they're a frisky little four seed uh, for sure. Frisky four seed, I like that as well. That's a great name. We should patent that. That should be a hashtag. Frisky four seed. Um, is it a frisky two and three seed? UNC Wilmington feels like they were really just did not end the season on a great note. They weren't playing their best at the end of the year. Mm, Meanwhile, right. Elon was Aaron, and Elon has and Ryan Kinsella, one of the top power hitters in the country. I think he's second in the country in home runs. Yes, he is. He's only eleven home runs behind Chris Bryant. He's second. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I don't, and I don't, I don't say that to be flippant. I mean, but it, it, it just shows you how incredible Chris Bryant is. But Kinsella has had a big year. He's, uh, you know, and, and this is a team Elon that typically has hit a lot of home runs. But um, you know, nobody else on their team has more than four, and, and Kinsella's got twenty. So I mean, it's not like those numbers are uh, inflated here. I mean, he's 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 special. Um, and you know, this team is boy, they're well coached. I mean, you talk about one right. of the best mid-major coaches out there, one of the best coaches out there, period, I think, Mike exactly. Kennedy. I mean, he's, he's been on the Team USA staff. He's clearly very respected by his peers. Um, and, you know, these guys compete even when they have a down year. Like, they, you know, they, this year they weren't one of the, they weren't the best team in the SOCON. I mean, it was Western Carolina. Um, but, you know, they still always compete and they always have a chance, it feels like, once they get to that conference tournament to, to, to make a run. Yeah, they're just uh, – I think that you said it very well, man. And they, they do have uh, – usually – much more offensive teams than they had mm-hmm. this year, and this year they kind of had the one dude, and uh, it's just, it's weird. It's kind of weird to see, um, yeah. and it wasn't even a great pitching team. I think we kind of saw early it wasn't a typical Elon team when they had that uh, couple of really ugly games with NC State. Um, it does feel that like Virginia is a pretty prohibitive favorite here. I, mean, I feel like UNC Wilmington probably should have been a three this year, and Elon a four. Feels like those teams are not really strong two and three season that Virginia got a, I'm not saying they got a break, but they feel like there's not a real strong contender to beat them in this regional. I think that's probably true. And, and I like this Wilmington team and I think they're, I think they're a legitimate two seed, but I mean, 
um, you know, certainly from the RPI standpoint, and um, and and I think their their talent is pretty good. I actually, you know, I think they've got some depth on the mound. Really like their bullpen, the way that they can throw different different looks at you. You know, high slide guys, low slide guys on the right side, left side. Um, you know, with with Kelly Seacrest just gets outs back there. Yeah. Um, you know, Seacrest nice outs, if you will. That's right. I like uh, it. I like the, and they had the nice look by Justin. A nice story in Justin living good. A guy I think took a year or two off. Yeah. For baseball, he's like I think a 23-year-old junior, um, you know, up to 96 at times this year, getting getting some pretty good scouting looks. Uh, the opposite of CAA Pitcher of the Year, Matt Batts, who was <laughs> like I was I had talking to a scout about him the other day, he said he was basically a Nolan Belcher type, which I don't think was meant as a compliment <laughs> from a scout's perspective. Um, but Matt Batts, your CAA Pitcher of the Year this year, nine and three, 307. In the last two years, he's basically got a strikeout per inning. Uh, he's been pretty doggone good. Yep. Um, that said, uh, you know, Virginia is Virginia. This is a, that's a, that's a pretty doggone good offense. But if they have Brandon Cogswell back as a key cog, a Cogswell cog, if you will. Oh, no. Back, <laughs> back in their lineup. Um, the, I think the sky's the limit for this Virginia team. Athleticism. Uh, the one thing I, I'm curious about with Virginia is their pitching depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, how deep do they trust guys in their bullpen? Feel that they have pitching depth if they want it. But I know that their bullpen, again, my only look at them was really against North Carolina. And their bullpen, which had been lights out all year, was very susceptible in the two games I saw. So. Yeah, and, and to me it feels like they're a team that's kind of like North Carolina State where uh, on the mound where yeah. you know they, they don't have great starting pitching, but yeah. they can cover it with their bullpen depth. Um, and I don't know, I guess that formula works, but it's weird. I mean, I feel like I'd like to have some guys that can go six or seven innings and, you know, really get me deep into the ball game and then hand off to my bullpen. I feel like this puts a lot of strain. I think maybe that's why the bullpen maybe was a little more vulnerable at the end of the years because they've had to shoulder more of a load. Um, I think you're right. Getting getting Whit Mayberry back and closer to form might be a real key for Virginia because Whit Mayberry uh, threw well in the last game of that North Carolina series. He's a veteran. He's got some regional experience. Uh, he's a right-hander, which I think helps balance them out a little bit. Um, and to me, the the less you have to play, the less you have to pitch Nick Howard as a starter, and the, then you can deploy him as another right-hander in your bullpen to put Nick Howard together with Josh Spores, and then you have the left-handers Rosenberger and Crockett. Then you've got a nice foursome in the bullpen. You could extend one one day, and then you have another one for the next day. Um, that would be key. So if Mayberry, Silverstein, and Waddell can hold down the rotation. I think Florida. I mean, Virginia has a real chance to you know, to get to Omaha. They have a real chance to get to Omaha anyway. I think that's the formula they're going to have to follow, and it certainly will help if they get Cogswell back from that broken finger. And I will say right. again, I lament the fact that Joe McCarthy's parents decided to name him Joe. I mean, <laughs> Joe as a first name for McCarthy has kind of been ruined in this country. That's true for a long time. So, or it should have been, um, but, but it hasn't been. You picking the Cavaliers, Aaron? I think that's a pretty lopsided yeah. regional. I think so too, and, and and like I said, I actually I do like this Wilmington team, but I don't think they're, I don't think they they've got the they can contain Virginia's offense. I mean, you know, I will say that I don't know what what, what Wilmington's going to do on the on the mound, but you know, Jordan Ramsey's got a really good arm, their sophomore right-hander. Um, he could he could keep UVA in check, but uh, ultimately, I just think you know UVA is going to find a way to score runs. They're just too good offensively. I, I love that offense, and I think they win that regional. I also uh, heart that offense. So. Um... Now, now we go from one of the, I think, one of the more lopsided regionals to one of the more, more competitive regionals, if not the most competitive regional, Aaron. That's the Starkville Regional, 
Mississippi State is the one seed, Top Alabama the two, Mercer the three, Central Arkansas the four. Uh, as we talked about on Monday, we thought a couple of these teams in here were underseeded, and there's not really a true four seed. Although at the same time, I remember I was listening to the podcast. I don't usually do that, but I was listening to it the other day. And, you know, Central Arkansas really does kind of – they were the seventh-place team in the Southland yeah. Conference, right? It's, they were 12-15 and 15 in the Southland. So they probably really are a four. So. I mean, it's just it's just from an RPI standpoint. It's just, right. it's just it's just a relativity standpoint. If Towson's a three, it doesn't make sense for Central Arkansas to be a four. That's it. That's a great – you're, you're, you're saving me. You're getting me fired back up again for them being, a, being underranked. But um, how much do you think – Central Arkansas, the fact that they went to Mississippi State and won that series in Starkville already, how much has that helped them going into this weekend? Uh, I guess a little bit. I mean, you know, it gives them a little confidence that, hey, we, we can, you know, we can go toe-to-toe with this team at their place. Um, but, you know, Mississippi State is not going to be caught off guard by Central Arkansas this time around. I don't right. know if that's what happened last time or what, but, you know, they're they're going to be ready, and they're probably going to be looking to dish out some payback here, too. Um so maybe in that respect, it could work against Central Arkansas. Um, but, you know, I mean, this, this clearly the Bears are, are – uh, um, they're a good club. They're very well coached. Um, they compete up and down the lineup. They only have one guy in the lineup that really um, – you know, I mean, Forrest Alday is a darn good hitter. That guy – He's had a really nice college career. Yeah, and, and it's – you know, it's just – Hey, I, know, I even know some scouts who think this guy, you know, he's, he's going to hit. I mean, he's just a, he's just one of those guys that has a knack for putting the bat on the ball, and he walks a ton more of these strikes. At 49 walks, 18 strikeouts. That's an amazing stat line. I was talking to a yeah. scout about him last week in Arkansas and uh, who has Arkansas coverage, and uh, those are hard to find, let me tell you. Hmm. Um, but he, he said that, you know, out of all the small college, quote-unquote, players in that state, Alday is the one who's most interesting because of that field of hit. And they do have a guy in bigger staff who already beat through a complete game. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they play their pitching because Caleb McClanahan's had a great year. Um, and again, he's like the anti-Forest all day. He doesn't walk anybody. But um, but we'll see. I, I'm, I think that gives Central Arkansas some advantage compared to the average 4C. But like you said, Mississippi State uh, should be – the, the last thing they'll do is overlook their 4 seed. I'm curious to see how they handle their pitching because their rotation has been unsettled pretty much all year. Mm-hmm. It has been, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they wound up settling in for a while there with with uh, you know Poyarena and Graveman and um, I guess Lindgren is the three. But I mean, it does feel like it's been it's been a little up and down for sure. South Alabama and Mercer. South Alabama, another team that kind of builds it from the bullpen forward. It sounds like, um, and then Mercer. I mean, these are especially Mercer. That's a really offensive club. That's the identity of their program. And this is an older club, Aaron. A lot of a lot of juniors and seniors and fifth year type seniors on this Mercer roster. You're right. Yeah, it's it is an older club and um, you know, really like Derek Workman, um, you know, Nick Nick Backlund, those guys are good players. Those guys are the difference makers here. I mean, um, you know, Backlund just a big old physical guy, can hit the ball out of the park, and Workman's an athlete that can also hit the ball out of the park. Um, you know, those guys are those guys are good. And that's really the strength of this team for me, is those guys in the middle of the lineup. But I mean they are older. I mean they're experienced up and down the lineup. Um they're I'm trying they're, to figure out where does their ridiculous RPI come from. Not ridiculous bad, it just that it's very high, but I don't see where that comes from. Because, like you said, uh, if if their RPI is so high because they won the regular season in the Atlantic Sun, 
it would seem like the Atlantic Suns RPI should be higher than the 17th mm-hmm. rated conference, but their non-conference are like played Georgia once, Georgia Southern, Miami Georgia of Ohio, Tech, Bethune. Yeah, they played Georgia Tech once, Ohio State, St. John's, Notre Dame. It's not a – correct me if I'm wrong. It's not, I, I don't see how they're 29. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. I mean, they played, you know, 20, let's see, 30 – uh, 31 games against teams in the 101 to 200 range, and then another 12 against teams outside the top 200. It's just, I guess, the moral of the story is if you can play teams in the middle, you'll be okay if you win a lot of games. Just don't play teams at the back. I guess so. <laughs> That's it. Don't play teams which, at the back. Which, which, which I don't like. I mean, I, I completely, I'm, completely I'm more agree. impressed with a team that beats a bunch of high-end teams, even if it plays a couple of games against low-end teams, Arkansas, um, than I am with a team that's just, okay, we're good enough to beat up a bunch of middle teams. Um, that's just my opinion. It's not just your opinion. It's my opinion as well. I share that opinion, and I'm with you. And, of course, I have a soft spot for uh, Mercer. Can you figure out why? Because uh, of uh, former BA intern Brian Shumalewski. <laughs> I think I just blew up the, the, uh, <laughs> the microphone. No, because their top relief pitcher is, is a Greek-American, Dimitri Cortis. Of, of course, of course. Opa, Dimitri. Make us look good in the uh, – Pencil yourself in for the 2017 World Baseball Classic. Uh, I'm picking Mississippi State in this regional, Aaron. I'm tempted to pick South Alabama, though. Outside of Hunter Renfro, I think South Alabama has the single best player in this regional in Jordan Patterson. Yeah, you're right. And, and Ren- obviously Renfro is really cooled down here. I noticed you didn't mention that when we were talking about the Bulldogs. No, I figured uh, I'd let you do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I will say this. Mississippi State, all of a sudden – they didn't get any good starting pitching in the SEC tournament. They won three games, uh, right. but it wasn't because they got deep starting pitching. I mean, you know, they're like Virginia, another team that just relies more on the bullpen than its starters. Um, but, you know, the fact that Renfro is cooled down makes them a little less intimidating, I think. Uh, it's not like this team is peaking and playing its best baseball right now. It, it isn't. Um, and, and you're right, South Alabama, I mean, Jordan Patterson, they're, they're not playing their best baseball either. I mean, they, you know. You're right. They lost the, lot, the last regular season series, and they you know, did not win the conference tournament. Uh, but you know they're a good club. I mean, they're they're Jordan Patterson, the really good two-way guy. He can really hit, and he, he's a, you know got a good good stuff on the left side off the mound. He's kind of like their Clinton Freeman, not yeah. as offensive. Um, but um, you know the, the pitching. Um, I they, like they, I like. They, they, like they, they build it from the bullpen forward again, Aaron. That's, like that's, that's it. That's another got, one. You got Barch out of the bullpen, who's been really good, and Stamey, exactly. Stamey's got all kinds of swing and misses on his breaking ball and the changeup, and uh, and you know, fastball too. His fastball yeah. moves a lot. And he's got velocity, so I mean, it's uh, that that's the. There's a bunch of teams here that are really bullpen set. I guess I guess um, Central Arkansas, you know, and Mercer, I suppose, those are the teams that are more built from the front of their staff. So these other teams are built from the back. It's a, it's an interesting it's a really it's, a, it's just a very uh, flat regional field. There's not a lot of difference. I would say the biggest difference is Mississippi State has a lot more pitching depth than yeah. the other two teams do, and they have Renfro who is a separator in terms of his power if he's on. Feels like Hunter is going to have to be on, but I'm not going to pick against Hunter Renfro. So I'm picking no. the Bulldogs here. Uh, are you are you picking dogs. somebody else? No, you're picking no, the Bulldogs. No, I'm picking I'm picking the Bulldogs too. You know, I've, I've I still do really like this team and its depth and experience, and Book I think it. that stuff that matters. They're going <laughs> right. Omaha. Book it, right? Uh, I did say that a, a while ago. We, we, we haven't gotten our, our, our Omaha picks yet, but I, they're they're going to win their regional. I think they're going to win their regional as well. 
Uh, we're wrapping up the podcast. Two more regionals to go here. We've made good time. Not great time, but good time. Um, the Manhattan Regional. Oh, how awesome it would be to have a regional in Manhattan and New York City. We'll settle mm. for Manhattan and Kansas. Um, Kansas State, the one. Arkansas, the two. Bryant, three. Wichita State, the four. Aaron, this is a wide-open regional as well. I think it's completely wide open. I think the biggest reason, first off, I think Kansas State earned being a regional host. I'm extremely excited for that staff and that program and just the, with the way they grind it out. But second of all, um, they still don't have great starting pitching uh, or great pitching period. To me, just makes it really wide open because all these teams have some pretty uh, obvious flaws, don't they? They do, yeah. And, and Kansas State's case, you hit it on the head. The pitching is not great. I mean, they're a very good offensive team, and they can score runs and um, you know up and down the lineup. I mean, almost everybody in the lineup is hitting over 300. And I think Mitch Myers, their lowest regular, is hitting 289. You know, so there's other teams that that have. You know, like Miami, maybe has one guy hitting 289. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, they don't. They barely do. Chance Mack. Uh, right. So I mean, this is this is a very good offensive team. Um, and, all and session, gotta, by the way, all session tickets for the Manhattan Regional sold out as you go to um, the to the team website there. So I mean, like, just awesome. Go K um, State. Arkansas, of course, best you know team ERA in the nation. Incredibly deep pitching staff, quality arms all over the place. Uh, offenses. <laughs> disappointing i mean they're hitting 260 they don't score a lot of runs and they don't defend very well um you know if, if it's i don't know i mean other than that, their position players are great uh, exactly i mean it's been a disappointing year for those guys you know it has been they haven't they haven't done it and, and yet uh, they're kind of in the same position they were in last year as far as an underwhelming regular season and yeah. they made a run to omaha last year and they were two and oh on their bracket before losing twice to south carolina do they have that That's kind right. of a run in them again they could. I, th- I I I think they're going to win this regional. I'm going to pick the Hogs. So, um, you know, Omaha I don't think Hogs, can, I believe. Is I don't think I don't think they can get by Oregon State. But uh, to give away my next pick, but I mean, I I think that they I think they can win this regional because I just I do really love their pitching and you know Bryant has good arms too. I mean that's the thing that that stands out about Bryant is uh, you know this is the deepest staff they've had there. Um, you know I think they said they've got like. Um, like nine guys that can hit 90 miles an hour or something like that. I mean, they had a bunch of scouts going to their games this year, which they hadn't had before. Um, you know, they're, they got a really good closer with, with Sal Asante. Um, you know, it's had a fantastic year for them. Um, I like their staff a lot. And, and you know, offensively, they're, they're, they're probably better than Arkansas is. <laughs> I mean, they don't have the big names, but, you know, they, they performed uh, and they grind it out, you know, and, and they – I've said that a lot, grind it out. But that's I guess I guess that's what you have to do to succeed in college baseball these days. It's just you know, you get on base any way power, you can. That's it. If you don't have that power, that's the way you have to get some offenses to um you know, is to is to grind it out and that, and that just means good at bats, don't give things away, maximize your opportunities. I mean yeah. you wrote about now you wrote about Bryant in uh, April, Aaron, in a streaking blog back when we still had blogs. Um so this is a program that um you know, has had some upheaval with Jamie. Uh, what's his last name? Penzino. Penzino, right? Penzino, now, now, William now, now William and Mary. So you got two parts of the Bryant tree. Uh, there certainly is no um, top end draft guy here like Stony Brook had last year with Travis Jankowski, and there's no Willie Carmona. But is this this is the Northeast's best bet to be a Stony Brook? Is it not? This is the best yeah, team in the Northeast, and they have a and they have a winnable regional here. Do you think that what are the chances, what percent would you give Bryant for his chances of winning this regional? I'm tempted to pick Bryant. 
Pick Bryant. Go ahead, John. Pick him. I'm Be telling you, my, my whole, my whole, uh, my whole prep for this was reading that streaking blog, and it just sounds like a pretty interesting team, and not a team that's gonna that should be overwhelmed by this caliber of competition. They played a, a strong schedule. That's why their RPI is what it is. They played at Oregon State. They, obviously, they, they lost all four games, but they didn't get rolled until the last game. You know, they, right. they, uh, they, they played there. Ohio State. They won a game at Ohio State. This, this seems like a pretty solid ball club. I think I am picking Bryant, Aaron. I'm picking Bryant to win this regional. I talk myself uh, into it. Am I crazy? I for love that. I love that, um, but I just think that you know, as good as Brian is, I mean, well, you know, you're right. I mean, they 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 faced those caliber arms, and that's that that trip to to Corvallis. I mean, that's the the, the comparable pitching staff. I guess my um, thing is, I really don't, uh, I don't see Arkansas repeating last year's run. I just don't think you could be that casual about it. And uh, you know, honestly, again, I think I think Arkansas earned a, a number one seed and should have been a regional host over South Carolina. We've covered that ground. Right. Um, I don't know if that if, if, if but I don't know if being sent to Kansas State instead is going to be good for them. You know, I, how, how are they going to play great away from the bright lights and the, the which is what they have in their ballpark at Bomb Stadium? I, I'm skeptical. I have to say I'm skeptical of of this Arkansas ball club. I, I'm going to pick Bryant, and maybe I'm crazy. But I think I am crazy. Uh, but I, I think I'm going to pick Bryant. I mean they. I would feel better about it if they run away and hid in their league a little bit more, but I guess they did win their league by four games. So, yeah, and you know, it's also the, the, their first time in a regional, which is always something to think about. Um, Great point. But, uh, but they did. They hey, they showed character last week when they they lost their I think their opener was it their opener or their second game in in the conference tournament, and they rallied through the losers bracket, and that was that was impressive. It was the opener. Um, the Blackbirds of LIU Brooklyn. That's right. Justin Topa shut them down. That's it. Um, nice. But. Uh, you know, hey, that's that's it's, I like that pick, John. But I'm I'm taking Arkansas. I just think that uh, it's a, it's a big time program loaded with Omaha veterans and uh, tons of talent, and I just I think that wins out. Two sixty three ERA. I like that. That, that. that I know that's not Arkansas caliber, but I think I'm gonna, I'm I'm going to take Bryant. I had to pick. I, I've gone a lot of chalk, but you know, Alpha last year. To me, if there's a northern team that has a chance to go on the road and win a regional, it's Bryant. I think it's I think it's Seton Hall, but oh, don't. <laughs> I mean, that's, both, a, that's a team. I got screwed on both Pirates this year. That's a team that could have won a regional. They absolutely are. Didn't they win a game? Was it two years ago? The last couple of years, it seems like they won games yeah. in regionals. So. Well, no, they only went to one. It was uh, at, at College Station in what, oh eleven or oh ten, whatever it was. Uh, and, and and John Prasinski shut shut out Arizona in that game. That's what I remember. That they shut out Arizona, but that didn't happen last year. I should have known. <laughs> that didn't happen. Nobody shut out Arizona last year. It was twenty eleven. Finally, thank you, Aaron. Finally, to Corvallis. Uh, if I were a better editor of podcasts, I would drop in a little Mitch Cannon right now. We still balling, but I'm not, so I'm not going to do that. The O State Ballers, the one seed, the Texas A&M Aggies, the number two seed, UC Santa Barbara, number three, UT San Antonio, number four, Aaron Oregon State got a pretty great draw here. A&M is a two, a team that was a borderline case to get in, should have been a three seed no matter what, and then UC Santa Barbara. Almost literally the last team in. I know they didn't say that, but as you're watching the whole scroll, they're the last team that came in on the TV show, and they're sitting there watching it, and the Gauchos had no idea they were in or not. 
RPI number 57, are they the lowest at-large RPI in the field? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's it's probably the lowest in a long time. I can't ever think of an, R, of an RPI team at 57 that got an at-large. That's cool. I think it's cool, but it's, it's, it's a big deal, I think. I agree. And the point is, this seems like it's Oregon State's uh, regional to run away with. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I think they're well, Oregon State, as we've said all year long, they're elite. They're complete. Um, and, you know, they, they play well down the stretch. Um, they're offensive. They pitch. They defend. They're the real deal. And all these other teams have holes. And I think A&M, you know, did play better at the end of the year when they got Mikey Reynolds back um, to full strength, you know, and he's uh, he's a great player. He's dynamic. He, he sets he really the, the straw that stirs the drink with the yeah. Yankees. Um, but, um, you know, and, and, and Daniel Mengden is, is, is the guy that can beat anybody. I mean, he's really, he's really good. It's a big time um, arm. They have a couple of big time arms. They do. You know, Jason Jester at the back of the bullpen, big time arm. Um, you know, and they got some young guys in the middle, in, in between there, you know, with AJ Minter and Grayson Long, um, that have good arms and, you know, Pineda wound up having a pretty decent year for them. Um, they got pitching and they defend okay. And, um, you know, they're athletic and they push the action. They have a lot of speed, but I just, I think they're short on offense and, and I, I don't trust their arms as much. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out there and play well this week because they're probably playing with house money a little bit and they're, they're probably feeling like they got a chip on their shoulder a little bit because people like us have been ragging on them. Um, They'll probably go out there and play well, but I, I think Oregon State wins that regional. I think you're probably right. I think they probably will go out there and play well because they are, they are a well-coached team. They're, it's a good program. They, they know what they're doing. These yep. guys know what they're doing. Um, yep. yeah, to me, the other issue for these guys is uh, you know, they're they're not going to a park that is a power park, and they don't have a lot of power. So that should be interesting. It should be a decent fit for A&M. Yep. UC Santa Barbara, uh, I guess that's a good thing. They weren't sent to Oregon in a way. Andrew Chekis was an assistant coach at Oregon, but he played at Oregon State, so that's pretty good homecoming for Andrew Chekis here, the head coach, second-year yeah, head coach at UC point. Santa Barbara. That's a good point. Yeah, that's one we hadn't pointed out. Um, but, uh, you know, th- these guys are, they're, <laughs> again, very well coached. I mean, they this is like, like that Josh Holiday thing we talked about, just a young coach that everyone said was a can't-miss guy that has gotten his team to regionals here a little ahead of schedule. Um, and, uh, you know these guys have they you know, they have some interesting talent. I mean, you know, certainly uh, they're a good defensive team. You know, standout guys at, at shortstop with Brandon Trinquan, who's really smooth defender. He doesn't have a huge arm, but he's got enough arm and, and really makes the plays. And Tyler Teresa at first base is a really good defensive first baseman. Um, you know, Woody Woodward at second. Um, you know, they they uh, it's a good they can, infield. Yeah, they have a good infield. Um, they've got. Uh, um, you know, a power arm young closer at the back with Dylan Heck. Um, Austin Pettibone will compete. You know, they're, they're number one guy on the mound, kind of 87, 89 guy, you know, decent change up, you know, big slow curve, kind of gives him a chance. And then Greg Molly, the, the lefty, really competes his butt off, as we know, former two way guy that's been kind of banged up this year, but he's just done a good job. Um, you know, freshman they're, All American last year, was he not? He was in the mix. I don't know if we ended up going with him or not. We might have. I think we might have. But um, they got some nice pieces here. But I think they're, you know, I think they're probably overmatched in this regional. But just you know, for a team with this kind of with a, with a young, a lot of freshmen, high highly regarded recruiting class, a uh, guy like Caresa, who's been kind of who's kind of well traveled, didn't start his career there. Did he start at Oregon State? He, he was started at Oregon. 
Okay, we're we'll good. <laughs> they followed Andrew. Check, check it. Yeah, right, right. Check it's recruited him up there. So, um, just kind of a neat deal for UC Santa Barbara and uh, to to get there, and it guarantees you a little bit extra airtime nationally because Jim Rome is a Gaucho alum and loves to talk about the Gauchos on his radio show. So I'm sure he's going to be talking about Gaucho baseball all the time on his show now. Taking a dose. I love it when he talks about guys taking a dose. Wear it. I'll never. My, my all-time favorite Jim Jim Rome was when Carlos Quentin got hit by a pitch five times in 2000, whatever it was, at Florida State. I think it was 2002. He took a dose five times, single game record, and Jim Rose the entire day that Monday screaming, wear it and take a dose. And all that. Just at, at just sort of random times, he'd be in the middle of some conversation, and then he'd just yell, wear it. And it was awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I, that was the first time I think I ever really was widely exposed to Jim Rome besides the – Jim Everett ridiculous fiasco, but right. when he did that, he certainly endeared himself to me, and uh, it hasn't worn off. Even though I don't ever listen to his show anymore, so um, so I, I credit his gaucho fandom. Uh, Aaron, the last last thing of the podcast is that UT San Antonio has a rocket on it still, so that that gives me a, a point of entry. They've had a player named Rocket, it seems like, for the last eight years at UT San Antonio. <laughs> yeah, and you know this guy's a good player. He's in the BA 500. He's got a little bit of power, some length in the swing, but he's got some juice. And um, you know he's had a little off the field thing this year, but he's I guess not. I guess that's not a big deal. He's back, and um, you know this team is. Uh, I don't know. I mean they were they were kind of a middle of the pack whack team um, that got hot at the right time, and uh, nothing here really stands out to me too much. I'll be honest with you. I think they're probably one of the weaker four seeds. Well, the, I guess the, the the neat story is that we have Oregon State uh, alum Andrew Checkets coaching tech, UC Santa Barbara, bringing his team to his alma mater, and now you have UT San Antonio first year head coach Jason Marshall, uh, who was a Texas A&M alum, and Good so call. they face Texas A&M. I didn't know that either, but you stumble upon some things in the in the midst of the uh, of the podcast. And Josh Marshall's an A&M alum, so we have some alumni ties. I don't know if they knew that when they put this regional together, but. Uh, but there's some alumni ties. It just feels again like, like to me, it's really hard to differentiate sometimes the UT San Antonio's from the UT Arlington's from the UT uh, this or that or the other. Some of those other the down ballot schools in Texas can run together for me when I don't follow it. And all I know is the state of Texas was down this year, so I'm not expecting great things out of uh, UT San Antonio in this regional. But kudos to Coach Marshall for in his first year as a head coach. Get this team to regionals and get them to play their best the most important week of the season in the conference tournament. So I'm picking the yeah. I'm picking the Beavs. I, you are picking the Beavs as well, right? I am, and, and you know I will say that the you know, this UTSA team they can swing the bass a little bit. You know they're 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 hitting over 300. They got some power in there. Um, you know they're they're the most offensive team probably in this regional. Um, so you know granted I'm sure that they haven't played the same caliber of competition in the WAC, uh, but uh, you know they they can they can put up some runs and so it could be a factor here. But I think uh, I think the Beavers uh, take this regional. Yes. Aaron, just hearing us talk about all these regionals, it feels like. We think there are five, maybe six, really elite teams uh, in the country. And that, that top six has been that top six forever. Yep. Are you with me? That's the that's the elite. There's the, there's a, that top six, and I don't. I don't if, if a team outside the top six wins the Caldwell Series, I think we'd both be surprised. Is that correct? I think that's I think that's fair. Um, what's your what's your left bracket pick? Your left bra- left side of the bracket: North Carolina, South Carolina. 
NC State slash Ole Miss or Oregon. Uh, I guess you picked New Mexico and Cal Poly. I picked Fullerton and UCLA. Oklahoma, LSU. Who's your pick on that side of the bracket? Um, well, my two, Omaha two teams are finals. my Omaha teams are North Carolina, Oregon, New Mexico, and LSU. <laughs> I love it. I've got North Carolina, <laughs> uh, NC State, Cal State, Fullerton, and LSU. I went fairly chalk over there. Yeah, those are all four national seeds, right? So, well, not NC so. State. Not NC State. Oh, right, right, so. right. The, the team that should have been the national seed. Right. And um, I'm, t- I'm picking LSU on that side of the bracket. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I I just – I think that their motivation from last year is palpable. Uh, I'm, I, I'm a little worried, like I said, talking about their bracket, about Bregman and Cotton. But they do have depth. I think Aaron Nola is a big game of pitcher as there is, there is in the country. I have a hard time not picking North Carolina. They've been so consistent and so good. And I'll plug here. I am doing their entire regional. I think I've plugged that a few times. I'm plugging it again. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think very highly of North Carolina's team this year. I don't think they have a great weakness. I just think there's a little tiny bit more upside with LSU, i got to say. Uh, I think there's a little bit more upside there. I'm picking the Tigers to win that bracket. If I'm ranking those teams, I'd go LSU, North Carolina, Fullerton, NC State. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Who are you picking on that side of the bracket? Your teams sorry. are North Carolina, Oregon, New Mexico, LSU. Yeah. You know, I've got North Carolina and LSU both written down here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have those as my final two, my, my final four teams on that side. Uh, it's, it's just, it's just hard. It's hard to break those teams down. I mean, I think. Um, <sighs> Let's put it this way. Uh, if North Carolina, as a national number one seed, is going to win this side of the bracket, they've got some work to do because they're going to have to beat two teams with significant Omaha history and significant now teams in LSU and Fullerton. That's a tough – I mean, if you're, the, if you're talking about the top eight national seeds, they should all be tough, tough right. breaks. But, I mean, it would feel less daunting in terms of the scope of college baseball history – if the other teams on North Carolina's side of the bracket were Virginia and Vanderbilt. Right. Those are really great teams and great programs, but they're not Fullerton and LSU. I think there's a little bit – some of that heft matters to me. And um, don't forget about South Carolina that they'll have to go through as well, and that's – that's, you know, yeah. <laughs> lest we forget. See if you could be the first team since East Carolina to beat South Carolina in a series, in a, in a series before Omaha in the postseason. And that the last yeah. time South Carolina lost before Omaha in the postseason? Not a game, but lost a lost a regional or super regional, two thousand nine. Right. Yeah. It's been a, well. The last time they lost at home. Or, no. no just, last time it, they lost. Last time oh, they yeah, didn't yeah, win I a regional. It was. I think it was two thousand nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean that's a that's a long time since uh, since not winning a postseason series. So. Yeah. So anyway, I've been procrastinating and procrastinating. Yes. Here. I guess I got to pick a pick. Uh, give me. Uh, screw it. Give me flip a coin here. I mean, really, it's that close. I guess I'll take. If you're taking LSU, I'll take North Carolina to be different. All right, there you go. So, that, that's a good everyone knows. Too. Everyone knows I'm biased, right? So might as well just take them. <laughs> that's it. Um, well, I, I do think those teams are very close. I'll tell you what. I'd love to see in Omaha. I don't know if, the, if this will ever happen because they're not going to play the first game. They would maybe play a second game. But a Kent Emanuel versus Aaron Nola matchup at TD Ameritrade. That would be awesome. That would be. Awesome. Awesome. Um, 
right side of the bracket, Titsy. We both picked Vanderbilt. We both picked Louisville. Yes. We both picked Indiana, correct? Or did you pick yep. Austin P? No, Indiana. Okay. We both picked Florida State. You both picked Virginia. We both picked Mississippi State. You picked Arkansas. I picked Bryant. And <laughs> we both picked Oregon State. <laughs> yeah, that sounds ridiculous, but I'm doing it anyway. I do think a Northern team is going to win a regional this year. Even though the North in general was a little bit down compared to last year, I, I just think uh, once it's happened, I think it makes it easier for other teams to see that inspiration and go forward. So mm-hmm. I'm picking Oregon State, though, to get to Omaha. I've got Virginia. I've got Indiana. And I've got Vanderbilt, but I think it's very close between Vanderbilt and Louisville. So I'm still picking the Commodores. And then on that side for me, my winner is the Beavers. Picking the Beavers. I'm I'm very close to picking a Beavers versus Tar Heels redux. I think it's very, very possible. Um, But I'm going to pick Beavers versus Bayou Bengals versus the Tigers. And I'm picking the Beavers to win the whole thing, Fitzy. All right. Um, I'm going with uh, Vanderbilt to get to Omaha. I'm going with uh, Indiana. Indiana. State. You're picking Indiana as well? All right. I, I like Indiana's team and whatever. I'm taking You've Indiana. seen a lot of them this year. I have seen a lot of them. Um, let's see. I'll go with uh, Mississippi State UVA is tough. That's the other one that I kind of left blank here that I need to make a pick on. I have Oregon State going to the, going to the College World Series in that bottom matchup there. And then uh, – you need to put Mississippi yeah. State. You you said bank on it a while ago. Fine, Mississippi State. <laughs> if you hadn't written it down, I'm gonna make your decision for you. So the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs go to Omaha. Are they, are they just uh, happy to be there and two and Q? Uh, I don't know about that, but but Vanderbilt wins that side of the bracket, and uh, Vanderbilt beats North Carolina for the championship. So, so that's just funny because you're, you're inverting your two and your one from the preseason. But we have seen a lot of this year, and I think it's fair to say that North Carolina's bullpen has not developed the way we thought it would, and Vander, Vanderbilt has developed even better than we thought it would. So, right. That's not the only difference in those two teams. But um, so you've got Vanderbilt over North Carolina. I've got the Beavers over the Tigers. Well, it's, it's been a lot of fun on the podcast here, and uh, two and a half hours probably of podcast madness. We hope people enjoyed it. Um, and look forward to a lot of people making those trips, get your tickets, uh, go out, support college baseball, uh, and, and we hope that we help you enjoy it. So for Aaron Sid, I'm John Manuel. We'll talk to you on the next, uh, next week on the next Baseball America College podcast. Until then, so long, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 